The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. And then no Tony, it's like when he talks, he gets done. You're like, yeah, that's probably right. Uh, right. Usually. Or it's such a good point. He's such a good guy. I'm like, you know, I don't agree with it, but I don't want to, I don't want to disagree with you. I that's want you true. to like me. That's true. So I won't go too harshly on you there. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's my man, Ahmed Fareed. Oh, that's my host. That's our mom. Oh, we traded him. We're at the Hall of Fame. We said the hell with Ahmed. Let's get Coach Dungy on here today for Chris Sims Unbutton. I really appreciate you coming and hanging out with us, Coach. No, this is great. Fun to be with you. We're going to have a great uh, show tonight. Looking forward to kicking off the year. But uh, hanging out and talking football with you is going to be awesome. Good. I'm glad. You know, sometimes I've been afraid, like, you know, sometimes I've been afraid to ask you on because I know I'm crazy. I say some crazy words and things like that. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe Coach doesn't want to always be associated with some of the things I say on the podcast. <laughs> I know we have lots of good football conversations. I've been really reluctant to ask you and that's my fault it is uh, i'd love to be on all right here. good because now that you've said that to me a few weeks ago you're going to be on here uh maybe more often than you'd love like to. okay love so to. we're gonna drive you crazy and, and 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 to be funny here we got a question right off the bat from michael dunton who's a listener of the pod and he goes are you going to swear in front of him like you do others you really do need to clean up your language so michael is playing dad on me there and for all those out there yes i have a horrible mouth and it's really worse off air than it is on here um but yes i feel guilty around coach when i say swear words and he actually always kind of like hey just be yourself don't worry and you're really cool that way well i do i have I, I don't. Uh, as a matter of fact, Mike Florio has made it his mission to try to find a player who's heard me swear before, and he hasn't been able to find I'm, anybody. I have <laughs> never heard anybody say they've heard it because I didn't even know when my dad was, you know, back in the day covering number one games and doing your games for CBS when you were the Colts. I think he even delved into asking some players, like, he's had to have lost <laughs> his temper in practice and said a bad word. So, hey, Michael. Fuck yeah, I'm going to swear in front of coach today, all right? Not too much, but just a little bit, all right? Uh, little business to pay here. Uh, by the way, we have a new YouTube page. You've heard us talking about this, me and Ahmed. It's just for NFL videos. It's YouTube.com, NFL on NBC. And during the season, you'll see videos with Coach Dungy, the rest of the Football Night in America crew, Rodney Harris and everybody. Rodney's another guy that I'd like to get involved in this podcast a little bit here and there, too, because he's got so many great thoughts and just like Coach, great experiences uh, from all the great years in the NFL. We're currently at 9,000 subscribers for our YouTube page. We want to get to 50,000 so I don't have to continue to make this read and talk about it all the time. When we get to 50,000, they tell me I don't got to do it anymore. So that's the mission we're on, me and Ahmed. All right, I'm going to subscribe. You're going to subscribe? Please give us that 9,001. So we got one more uh, added to the list. All right, tonight, Hall of Fame game, you, like you said, we're very excited just to kick off the season, see this. You know, I, I got a chance to walk around the Hall of Fame with you yesterday, which was really special. Um, you know, what, what's your first memory of the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame game? What, what was your first time here kind of experiencing this, this whole place? Uh, I came in 1984. I was a young assistant coach with the Steelers, and uh, we played in the game, and they took us around the hall, and so I'm looking at you know, some of the guys who are in there and some of my teammates and uh, just looking at the history of the game. And my dad, when I was really young, the first game he ever took me to was Detroit Lions. We are from the Detroit area playing Cleveland Browns, and he wanted me to see Jim Brown play. Right. And uh, I went in and looked at this bust of Jim Brown and saw the history. And 
um, it just got me hooked. It, it got you hooked. Awesome. Yeah. That, that was so. You, you you grew up in a household where your dad loved football yeah. and you loved it at a very yeah. early age, and we're aware of the history. Yeah, uh, I love talking history of the game with you. I really do. That was really a neat. Thing for me yesterday, I can't even imagine what it's like for you. I mean, I had a few people I knew in the Hall of Fame or played with. You seemed like I don't know every corner of the <laughs> building there was a connection to you. Uh, I mean, the feelings. How does that like just to walk around and not only guys you played with but you coached? Like, what, what goes through your blood when when you're seeing all that? Yeah, I, I played in an unbelievable era. Came to the Steelers in 1977 in the middle of that steel curtain dynasty, and ten of my teammates are in the hall, <laughs> and my head coach is in, in the Hall of Fame. So that's eleven guys that I knew right off the bat that are in, and then. Uh, as you and I were talking the other day, the era that we played in, you play against the Oakland Raiders, and they've got eight or nine guys who are in, and the Cowboys have seven or eight guys. So you're just reading the scouting report. Okay, Tony Dorsett, fast, quick, strong, you know, all that. You know he's good. Right. But then it's a Hall of Famer, but everybody was like that, and you played against the same guys over and over and built friendships and relationships, and – to see that generation of guys go in was pretty special for me because I felt like I knew them. Right. Well, now I become an assistant coach, and uh, I coach Rod Woodson, and he goes in, right. and John Randall and Chris Dolman and guys that I coached as an assistant. And that's a, a, a really kind of a special thrill because you work with those guys one-on-one. Right. -on -one yeah, you you're feel hands -on. like You know, I helped Rod right. become a pro. Right. Then you become a head coach, and uh, – had a bunch more guys come in, Man, the Bucks and the, and the Colts. And that, that is really the thrill because then I was at some of the inductions and, you know, to see a guy get his ring and get his jacket and be there, uh, it's a pretty moving experience. Yeah, I was shocked to hear you say yesterday when we were walking around that you, you really were more proud when players of yours got in than even when you got in yourself. And I know you love football and you're extremely grateful to be in that, but – yeah, there's, there's just that, that – is it just it, what you're saying? Just the It's something it, – it's a, a feeling. Uh, it just – I can't explain it, Chris. I got the Bucks job in 1996. Yeah. One of the first things I did is I, I called every uh, player on the team and said, come in and see me. But I specifically got with Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, and John Lynch. Right. They were young players at the time. Sapp was being taken out on third down. What? Derek, Derek Brooks was playing – over the tight end, oh my mauled gosh. by the tight end. Right. Lynch was a backup uh, nickel linebacker. Oh, my gosh. So I go to these guys and say, I watched you in college. I scouted you. I drooled over you when you came out. Right. This defense is perfect for you. John, you're going to be Donnie Shell. Derek, you're Jack Ham, And Warren, you're Joe Green. If you guys play like I think you can play, you'll be in the Hall of Fame. Sure. I told them that in 1996. Wow. And I said, now we got to win championships and you got to help develop that character. But this D, you will make enough plays in this defense to go to Pro Bowls and, and be in the Hall of Fame. And then to watch them one by one get their jackets and realize it, it was just a perfect storm. Right. And just to echo that, something you said about those two out of those three guys there yesterday that I also found fascinating. You, you dropped some nuggets on me yesterday where I was like, the great history things where I was like, whoa, you were an assistant coach with the Vikings. You wanted to draft <laughs> Sapp and Derek Brooks, right? And you were pounding the table there. 1995 draft. And you're going, damn, our division rivals at the time, they're taking the guys I want. I cried. You cried. I cried. Warren, we had the 11th pick. Warren should have been a top three player, right. had some, you know, off things, field off stuff. field stuff, yeah. so he's going to fall. Denny Green, hey, do some research on this guy. He might fall to us. I talked to you know, coaches at University of Miami. I start watching the tape. We've got John Randall. I said, Denny, if we get this guy, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's going to be able to block you. us. <laughs> and we could, couldn't take him the way it turned out. Right. So now I'm depressed. I said, but there's one other guy that I'd really love. Derek Brooks, if we can get him, we'll come out of this draft feeling good. Tampa trades up above us, gets Brooks, and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. I don't get the guys I want. And not only that, they go to our division rivals. We're going to play them twice a year. I'm just sick. Right. And about uh, – Nine months later, I was the head coach of the Bucks, and they were all sitting there with John, ready to go. Man, good things happen to good people. That's, 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 that's the that I think example that was the right Lord there. Lord blessing me. Man, no, no question. All right, a few questions I just got on like a little bit of the Hall of Famers that you've been around your life. Um, 
how many of them in general, whether you played with the Steelers or, or you know, the, the Bucks or the Colts, like as soon as you saw them just a little bit, you went, oh my gosh, these guys have Hall of Fame talent. Like, were they all like that? Were there any that you went, oh my, whoa, he's like, I'm shocked he's developing into a Hall of Famer? And do you know what I'm getting at there? Yeah, a little bit? most of the guys you see it yeah. right right off the bat. Right away. Don, Donnie Shell was probably the guy. Donnie was a, a linebacker, kind of rushed defensive end who became a safety and kind of had to learn the position. But my, my first first day in Pittsburgh, they put me on a bus into downtown. Hey, get off at the Hilton Hotel and you'll find your way. And I'm kind of walking around looking, and this guy comes up to me. He looks like he's seven feet tall. He's got a cowboy hat on. He says, hey, I'm Mel Blunt. Welcome to the team. And I said, these are corners in the <laughs> NFL? He was like 6'5", right. 30. And I said, wow. But you, you saw that, and you said, this is special. This is unique. Um, th those guys were so good. When I got there, uh, 10 of our defenders – played in the Pro Bowl the year before. Right. And there's Bradshaw, Swan and Stallworth, you know. So you see these guys and you know they're special and unique. Then you start coaching guys. Uh, you know, Warren and Derek, you, you could see it. You knew right it right away. away. Right. Um, no question. I was in Minnesota. You know, John Randall probably didn't look like it at the time. Right. He's an undersized guy and just high motor. Um, and so you, that that's one guy you would say, He's going to be an okay player, but you didn't see Hall. You of didn't Bang. know it right away, yeah. right? But Chris Dolman, you know, six six, long arms, yeah. fast, bend around the edge. Randall McDaniel, yeah. um, you know, just two hundred and ninety five pounds, and you could put him at fullback and he catch the ball oh, with one hand, right? And, you know, guys that just do unbelievable things. Yes, but I'll tell you that the thing that stands out to me about almost all of those guys and all the other guys that that I know that are in the Hall, smart players. Yeah. You know, right. very few guys who are just super talented, mm -hmm. don't work at it, and, and don't know the game. Um, you sit down and talk with any of those guys about their craft, and they know it. Yeah, you're, you're. I think it was my most shocking moment as a rookie in the NFL. Is just I was like, you know, Derek Brooks was just the NFL MVP, but he was getting up there in years a little bit, and I was like, man, he's maybe not as physically gifted as I expect him to be. But, oh, my gosh, is he in the huddle calling the plays <laughs> yeah. with me? Like, he would call yeah. plays out in practice. Sap was so aware of everything. Everything. I mean, people don't on. realize. I think people – and Randy Moss was this way when I was with him in Tennessee for a short time. Where, yeah, okay, there's a little bit of an off-field image, but they, I don't think people realize how entrenched in the history of the game and the game that they, they really knew well. We're putting the defense in, and Warren Sapp, he asked me, you know, hey, how, John Lynch, he's lining up, and this, he's seven yards deep. How's he going to get to this A-gap in, in, in time if I spill it? I said, how do you know where John Lynch right. lines up? No, but that, that was the type of mentality all those guys had. They wanted, if there was a problem, how do we fix it? I remember Denny Green, when I, I worked for him, telling the story about Joe Montana. He, Denny came uh, to the offense later on. He said, you know, they'd have – different people putting it in every year. Mike Holmgren leaves, and Paul Hackett becomes the the offensive coordinator. Right. So Paul's going to put 22Z in yeah. first play, and <laughs> he's going to talk about how it's done and, and the coaching points. He said Joe Montana would have four pages of notes on 22Z in. Right. He probably knew it better than Paul Hackett, but he wrote down everything Paul Hackett said yeah. because – that's what you're supposed to do right. as the quarterback. Right, be an extension of the, the coaching staff there. Uh, do you have any players throughout you know, all this time that you look at still to go, this guy was a Hall of Famer. I don't know why or when or I think it's going to happen, but any of that jump out to you that way? You know, I'm really pulling for Rondé Barber and, and, and Reggie Wayne. Right. Those guys could do things. But I'll tell you one name that a lot of people don't know, probably the best corner that I ever have been around or ever coached, technique-wise, doing his job, Albert Lewis. Ooh. Albert Lewis. Kansas City phenomenal. Chiefs. Kansas Albert City Lewis. Chiefs. Number 29. Marty Schottenheimer used to make us chart every man-to-man -man right. ball during the season. And at the three years I was there, Albert would be 71 attempts at him, 10 catches. You know, just unbelievable stuff. Had long arms, right. block punts, uh, block field goals. Uh, played hard, was smart, and just size. He he was like Mel Blunt 
and if he'd have played on a, a Super a Bowl better team. winning team, would have been seen that way. Uh, and it's a shame that the team sometimes, you know, has to do good to yeah. get guys notoriety. It's the hardest thing about football. You don't always know. And I'm with you with Rondé. Rondé Barber did things, and that that kind of what we call, I guess, the nickel corner. Uh, yeah, that's to say, do it and tell them it it evolved. Um, when I came in the league. Everybody played one tight end and two receivers, and you played four defensive backs, and that, that was football, right. three downs. Right. Well, then people started coming in with a third wide receiver. Oh, my goodness, what do we do? That strong safety, he can't cover that guy. Um, I better teach somebody else to do that. So we started with the nickel back, and Rondy Barber was the prototype for that position. And to be able to run, defend, to make tackles, to blitz, to cover in zone, to break, right. uh, to cover people man-to-man. He could do it all and was so versatile and did it for years and years. Um, he deserves to be in the hall. I'm with you there. It, it's really, I mean, it, it, you know, I think you're saying he, he kind of invented the position, I mean, right, yeah. from what we yeah. see now. I yeah. mean, that's, I, I, I'm, uh, I think. Everybody's looking for that Everybody's guy looking for that guy. Exactly right. Every draft, every free agency, we need the guy that can do multiple things for our defense, and Rondé was the first to do it, and he did it at a really high level. Um, all right. A little more fun with this topic just because I'm having fun and I'd like to compare Hall of Famers because not all of them are cut the same out of the same cloth, you know. But what, like, if I bring up Terry Bradshaw and Peyton Manning, two Hall of Famers you're with, give me, like, one similarity and one difference that made them, a, you know, who they are. Um, similarities love the big moments. And the bigger the game, they're going to come through. Uh, differences night and day. <laughs> I can't imagine. Preparation <laughs> right. and, uh, you know, Peyton, we're, we're getting ready to play the Super Bowl, and he's watched all 16 games of the Bears. He's watched their postseason games. He's had Jim Sorge watched last year. He's got 50 plays that we should put in for the Bears. And then he comes to me and says, you know, I've been looking at the 14-day forecast. It says it might rain. We should practice with wet balls. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? There's been 40 Super Bowls. It's never rained. Right. We're not practicing with wet right. balls. He makes us practice with wet balls. Sure enough, sure it, rains it rains the I was whole there. Yeah. game. Yeah. But that's him. Not leave, No stone unturned. Right. And Terry was like, okay, what are they playing? It doesn't matter. I got the best wide receivers in football. Somebody will get open. And I'll just throw a laser in there. And I'm going to bullet it in there. (laughs) Um, He was so funny. My memory of him is my first training camp. We only had pay phones in the dorm. Right. And so you're waiting in line to get the – he was on the payphone for an hour trying to buy a horse in Louisiana <laughs> that he had never seen before. What does his uh, teeth look like? How big is he? Oh, and, my uh, gosh. That, that, that's him. Hey, I'll buy a horse without even seeing him. Right, you know? right. That's amazing. All right, give me, let me give you one other one. Warren Sapp, Mean Joe Green. Um, man, uh, the, the desire to win and just the physical toughness that, that's what those guys were. Joe Green set the tone for us in Pittsburgh. Warren did the same way right. and loved to win and would not stand for second place. Uh, Sap actually a better athlete, yeah. faster, right. uh, quicker. But, but Joe had that determination that it, it didn't matter uh, who was blocking him, didn't matter what the situation, he was going to find a way to do it. But both of them just kind of, the, the amazing will to win. Right, right. And then, like, the the the, the differences of the, those. Like, I don't know mean Joe Green. I don't know the human at all. I know Sap was a colorful personality that as soon as he walked in the locker room, you're like, oh, Sap's in here. Yeah. You know, you heard his voice. He was cutting, you know, cutting it up with guys, talking crap to everybody that way. Uh, Sap was always going to be the loudest voice in the room. A hundred percent. Joe would be the softest voice in the room, huh. but get everybody's attention. Right. And, um... You know, he he ran the locker room. He ran the locker room. So he was one of those when he spoke, everybody was like, "Uh uh-oh, shut up. This is what we do. Joe's talking. Okay. All right. One last one, just because, you know, I got some crossover of the year. Derek Brooks and what would you rather me go with, Ham or Lambert there? (laughs) Uh, He played Jack Ham's position. Yeah, so we have to to say Ham. Right. Um, Jack Ham was probably the best player I've ever been around in terms of playing his position. Mm. And when you grade it out, it's going to be 99, 100. If it's 98, it's a bad game. Wow. Everything perfect. Right. Always knew what was going on. My first uh, 
first time I'm playing defensive back and we're playing the Baltimore Colts in a preseason game and he comes to me and he says, hey, somewhere along the line in this first series, they're going to run 36 power at us. The guard's going to pull, fullback's going to try to kick me out. I'm going to get the guard. I'm going to take his legs out and get the fullback. I'm going to tie up both of them. You t- all you have to do is make the tackle. You make the tackle, they'll never run this again. They'll always run it the other side. If you miss the tackle, they'll keep coming at us, and I'm going to have to take on these two blockers all season. Right, right. So make sure you make the tackle. <laughs> About the fourth play, here it comes. Roosevelt leaks, blocks him. He gets everybody. I'm one-on-one with Joe Washington, and I missed the tackle. <laughs> <laughs> but he was that's the way he was. He right. knew what was going on. Right. He had it down. He could cover. We played, and you'd be familiar with this, we played two-man. Yeah. That you, you you had the number two receiver, doesn't matter who it was. Right. Well, people knew what we did. So Cincinnati, they start going into slot formation. They put Isaac Curtis in the slot. Jack Ham's on Isaac Curtis. We didn't have a check or anything. Just let him cover him. You cover him. That's unreal. And now it's whether it's taking on the fullback and the lead blocker and the off guard or covering Isaac Curtis, he, he could do it and would grade out 100%. Derek Brooks had more explosiveness, more quickness, just unbelievable anticipation, sideline-to-sideline tackler. Um, and, again, that that desire to know what was going yeah, he on did. and right. will, will to win. Yeah. He, he was phenomenal. So those two sound like they had a lot of similarities. Very, very much so. Yeah, okay. All right. That, that was like – I really could go down memory lane all, <laughs> all day. I hope everybody out there enjoyed a little trip down memory lane. Memory lane. Maybe we'll do this again. Maybe they'll make this a segment where every now and then I ask you history questions like that. But I do want to get into some of the, the current stuff we got with the NFL. I got some questions from some Twitter okay. people that, that know you're coming on here. All right, so the first thing, you know, tonight we got two teams that are going through drastic changes, right, with, you know, hey, we got one team in Jacksonville. It's the young football team that hasn't done a lot. Doug Peterson's there to calm things down. Josh takes over with the Raiders. The Raiders were pretty good last year. There's not maybe as much dysfunction, but they've had their issues, we know. And, you know, he's got some expectations already because of the playoffs. Do you, one, if you were a head coach, would you rather take over the team, like the Raiders, that's kind of like got something, or would you rather mold a a blank slate like the the Jacksonville Jaguars? It really reminds me, Chris, of of my two head coaching slots. Yeah. I, I went to Tampa in 96 dysfunction, losing that was Jacksonville. year after year after year, yeah. just like Jacksonville. Right. Doug Peterson is going to have to come in there. They've got some talented guys, but he's got to change things around, and he's got to pull everybody together and say, this is how we're going to win. Then uh, seven years later, I went to Indianapolis. They had a very good quarterback there. They had some winning tradition, but couldn't quite get over the hump. But now it's, what do I have to do just to fine-tune just a little bit and get everybody on, on the same page? Right. I, there was nothing more satisfying than, than the, that Bucks time. I figured, I thought you might say that. It, I, 1996, hadn't won. Uh, I, I go in, talk about how we're going to win. Derek Brooks comes out after the meeting, comes into my office, and the coach, I lost more games last year than I've lost in my whole life. You got to talk about winning. Forget all this character and all field stuff. I said, well, Derek, that is how we're going to win. And then he became the, the, the spokesman for that. And the next year we win and we make the playoffs, have our first home playoff game in, in 18 years. And to see the city come alive and, and come behind the team right. and, and that there's nothing like it. And then when the, winning that first playoff game and seeing the expression on those guys' faces – so satisfying. Is there more pressure on one of this? Like, did you feel more pressure with Indy with the, like a little expectation and they got Peyton Manning compared to the startup job with um, Tampa? It, it was a different kind of pressure. The, the job in Tampa, everybody's saying you, you can't do it. Right. You can never do it. Nobody's been able to turn this around. They're never going to win. And so you kind of face that of, hey, we got to show people wrong. But in, in Indy, you almost knew if you didn't get to the Super Bowl, it was going to be seen as a failure. Right. So, you, you know, a 12-4 and four and make it to the championship game, nah, yeah, it's not what, enough. Right. It's not enough. So that pressure of, hey, we've got to win one, that, that was unique. It was unique. I don't know if a lot of people really remember. I mean, you guys were – everybody was on you guys. Oh, they're yeah. going to get to the playoffs and lose to New England, yeah. or Peyton's going to choke yeah. in the yeah. playoffs. They can't do it in right. counts and can't do it in big games. Exactly, well, yeah. What? <laughs> I think some people were wrong about that one. Around any corner, 
Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, I've heard you say some interesting things about culture change. And we got some, you know, we got 10 new head coaches in football. We got some new quarterbacks. And everybody, I think everybody always goes, well, they got a new quarterback. Things are going to change. And I know you don't feel that way. And I want you to kind of rattle off why. Yeah, I, I know we're going to talk about these coaches tonight when we do the game. Right. And Doug Peterson, boy, he's got the number one pick. And what's he going to do with Trevor Lawrence? And can Josh McDaniels get – Derek Carr to the next level, yeah. and, and that's and everybody thinks they can, and their track record says they can. But to me, and I tell owners this all the time, that's not why you hired the head coach. Yes, yeah, sure, he's going to do that, and he needs to do that. But you may not win, even if he gets the quarterback playing well, if you don't build everything else around it and change things around. Uh, I came to Tampa. We had Trent Dilfer. He was the sixth pick in the draft. Oh, we got to fix Dilfer. You got to fix Dilfer. No, we we've got to fix what's been going on here. Yeah, yeah. So I asked the team. I, I said, everybody, come in, see me. And when you come in, I want to know why you think we haven't been winning. Mm -hmm. Most guys came in. They had two or three things. Hardy Nickerson had six pages of yellow legal pad. <laughs> what had been going on? <laughs> okay, I'll take all this into consideration. But that's what you have to change. You had to get guys feeling like they wanted to be there. Hardy said. <laughs> Hey, you know, we have orange tops and white pants, and then we have white tops and orange pants. He said, one day these fools try to put us out there in all orange. I said, I'm not going out there. <laughs> you know, I said, okay, we can fix that. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> that's that's easy. Is, yeah. But now some of the other things culturally, you know, we got to change. Warren Sapp, to 26 years later, remembers my first speech. That that's I what gave. I want to say. What do you do your first speech to a team to, to make that mark? I, I said the same thing that Coach Noel told me my first day in the NFL. Hey, don't don't put your whole life into football. We're going to win. We're going to get to the Super Bowl, but we've got to live life the right way. And then I told my guys, I said, hey, we've got to set the tone. We've got to be role models for the young kids. I've got boys who look up to you guys. We've got to do things the right way. So here, I'm going to give you five things that will keep you out of the USA today. And if you have a problem, you get in trouble, and none of these five things are there, I'll back you up. But if, if you'll avoid these things, we'll avoid 90% of the problems after 12 o'clock. Be Don't home. be out there. Be yeah, home. Right. Like Richard Pryor used to say, you can be the worst guy in the world. If you go home at 11, nobody will know. <laughs> so It's a great line. Come home. Be home be before 12 o'clock. Don't drive 20 miles over the speed limit. Yeah, Marquise Hollywood Brown. Right. Don't drive over the yeah, speed limit. Right. Very easy. Right. If you have a gun, I'm not going to tell you to not carry a gun, but guns cause problems. Drugs and alcohol. Okay. If they're illegal... Don't do it. Yeah. Alcohol, you've got to make good decisions. If you drink, I'd prefer you to drink at home. Don't drink out where everybody's going to say, I saw 20 Buccaneers. You might be the only guy there, but when it gets back to me, there were the whole team I was know. there, and right. they were all drinking all right. night, right. even though you only had one drink. Yep. So we'd avoid that. And then the last one is women you don't know well enough, mm. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah. But I said, you know what? You look at any 
athlete, any NFL player gets in trouble, 99% chance one of those five things is there. Right. I'm not going to tell you how to live. I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do. But if we want to be a championship team, if you'll avoid those things, we will avoid problems and we'll come together. And and uh, I just heard Warren kind of repeat that about 26 years later. That, well, I mean, Warren, you know, I, I've had a chance to know Warren for a long time. He he loves you. And he's like, like my dad, who always brings up Parcells quotes, d he brings up Dungy stuff all the time, too. <laughs> he, he's always quoting you that way. So you obviously made a mark on his life. You said it was what, like halfway through that first year where you felt like the team finally bought in a little bit yeah. and it was like, okay, this guy's on to something. And I, I wasn't a guy, Chris, that raised my voice too much. And we'd have situations come up, and I'd try to talk just like this and work them through. So sometimes I, I think some of the guys weren't really listening. But eventually it got to be, yeah, okay, okay, I, 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 I get it. And we, we end up, we were 1-8, and eight, and we beat the Raiders in overtime. And then the next week we went out to San Diego, and we, we won a game that we had gotten behind. And... I remember John Lynch telling me, I think this might be the one that, that turns the corner. Right. And eventually we clicked. We won five of our last seven. The next year we came out of the gate 5-0, and oh, and it was just like it was, that was that. It was on. You changed yeah. it. You changed yeah. the culture. But it, it really was buying into those things. I was telling the story the other day. Uh, they used to have golf carts in training camp, and the ball boys would take the guys to the, the chow hall and take right. them to the locker room on golf carts. I looked at that, and I said, Coach Noel would have a fit. I said, no more golf carts. Right. And to show you that we don't need to because of the schedule, I'm walking everywhere we need to go. So I never you know, never took a golf cart, never took a ride. I right. walked everywhere. And I think when the guys saw me walking, they were like, we, like, okay, we got to walk I, too. I, I'm not going to let Coach out do yeah, it. Yeah, right. And uh, then that, that became our, our mantra. We, we practice with our shirts tucked in. We walk everywhere. We're going to blue collar you to death. Right. And that's how we're going to win. And uh, then it became a source of pride for those Right, guys. right. Yeah, it was uh, one of the greatest defenses ever. I know that. And you were certainly the archi architect of it. And I got there the year after they won the Super Bowl. And, of course, that was your team. I know Joan Gr John Gruden was there and all that. But, man, that was a, a special cast of characters you had on the defensive side of the ball, for sure. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, we, we drafted some good, high-quality guys. Right. And you – you know, you have John Lynch and Rondé Barber and Derek Brooks and Shelton Quarles in, in the huddle. You, you, as good as it gets. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, we, we had the same thing on offense. We didn't have probably that star quality player, but this, the work ethic and the right. attitude. That was how all you right. win. Yeah. That's how you win. Yep. All right. That, that was That's coach coaching right there. All right. And now I want to get to some questions just because I, I know right. people are excited. Uh, and, and then I want to rattle off a few because I think there's we got we picked a few good ones. All right. At Tomb Raider 47042. All right. He wants to know, Coach, Coach Dungy, how did you handle younger players that were new to new to new to the money that the NFL pays? Did he did you get involved being a mentor or were you just a football coach? No, absolutely. Um, when when I started coaching, Chuck Noll hired me. I was 25 years old, and I said, "What what is my job? What am I supposed to do? I've never coached before." He said, "Your job is to help your players be better, yeah. help them be the best they can be." Right. And he meant on and off the field. And so I always felt like that was my job. Um, I, I wanted to help them grow and help them learn the game, but help them learn about life. And uh, I know Derek. One of the things he talks about is the in the first meeting, I said, hey, we've got to get involved in the community. Yeah. We've got to be part of making Tampa a better place to live. Well, he took that on, and he's got a charter high school now. And the best there is. Unbelievable yeah. stuff. Work done comes the next year, and he's oh, building single they're saints. homes for single moms. Yeah. And just Lynch has the foundation that gives scholarships to, to young students. And uh, 25 years later. That's, guys are making a difference in the community, and that was part of it. Yes, we're, we're, we're famous. Yes, we're going to make money. Yes, we're going to win Super Bowls, but are we going to make Tampa a better place to live? And that was always how I tried to approach it with guys. Yes, you're going to make money. You are going to get some benefits, but you got to give back. Did you, did you ever push it on the veteran players to, to be like that with the younger players? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, that would be my, my first meeting talk, hey, Veterans, you have to lead, and young guys, you have to follow. Right now, okay, Chris, you're a vet. If you lead the wrong way, 
you're going to have 20 people following you because yeah. I'm going to make these guys follow you. Yeah. So it's up to you to lead the right way and, and take that on. And, and fortunately, we had veterans that took that seriously. Definitely did. I, I mean, I, I know – I mean, it was apparent to me when I got there, Brooks, Rondé Barber, Lynch. I mean, they were – I was shocked of how professional they were all the way through. Um, all right. We got one about coaching defenses today from a doubtful Dickey. Okay. That's <laughs> okay. his name. It's very creative. All right. Have restrictions on training camp, OTAs, and pace of roster, turnover, hurt defensive communications on the field. How would Coach Dungy improve communication on the field to combat this? I don't think it's hurt the communication as much, but I think it's hurt technique and skill level. Uh, everything is set up for the offense now, mm -hmm. uh, and we want to see points and scoring and excitement. Drives us uh, crazy on Sunday. It, it does. Yeah. It does. But um, it, it, it's hard to practice half speed on defense. It's hard to get your technique down. And offenses have the advantage. Offense, the quarterback, you know, Peyton Manning can take – 10 guys to Duke, right. and they can throw right. every day and practice, practice yeah. and hone their skills. Right. How do I get that same thing mm -hmm. on, on defense? No, I need training camp. I need practice time. Mike Tomlin told me a couple of years ago, I'll never forget it, he said, the problem we have now with the rules and the, what we can do, if you have a problem on defense during the season, you really can't get it fixed because you can't practice hard enough and fast enough to, to get that fixed. Right. Um, you got to have veteran players, and it's harder for the young guys to, to understand things. So that's why I think you see a Buffalo say, hey, we're going to trade for Vaughn Miller. Right. Uh, right. That's easier than uh, – Let me try to develop some young guy, guy and, and yeah, yeah. bring him on. Right. And, and, hey, we need this. Let, let's go out and get it on defense. Right. Okay, uh, that, that, that I know. I'm. I'm uh, yeah. So I think the rules and the way they do it is very hard. You better be able to communicate, uh, given that defensive player the, have a the the, the, the microphone to have have the mic in his helmet. Right. That has helped. I argued for that for years. Um, so that helps communication a little bit. But most of the stuff is done to help the offense. Yeah, it's a. I, it, it is. It's such an offensive league, and it's hard to really work on the basics of defense like you're talking about i mean we, we talk about it a lot on sunday you don't get the tackle so how good can you be at tackling if you don't get the tackle until it's a real game and then you get yelled at for the oh, i didn't tackle the right way and you're like well i haven't practiced it so that that i i know it, it is it's uh this the, the deck is stacked against the the defense right now for sure all right we want to get to some Peyton Manning questions we got here, okay? All right, so we're, we're going to – could you – Thomas Ragon, could you describe a time during practice that you totally outsmarted Peyton Manning where he had to consult you for how to prepare for a situation? <laughs> I don't know if I ever totally outsmarted Peyton, but I'll tell you what, he was, he was a very coachable player. Um, people don't get that impression of him, but he was like a sponge. He wanted to learn Tom Moore – was our offensive coordinator, put this system in, no huddle. The quarterback had a lot of freedom at the line of scrimmage. What a lot of people don't know is 25 years earlier, I played for Tom Moore in that system, and I was the quarterback, so I kind of understood it. Then I moved over to the defensive side, and most what Peyton would ask me in practice, how do you think the defense is going to try to take this away? Hey, we put Marvin here in the slot. What are they going to do, and what do you think they'll do, and what will that open up? And that's where he was so great. Right. He was always trying to anticipate one step ahead. And when I talked to him about, don't give the defenses too much credit. Let's throw it to Marvin first before right. we think they're going to take him away. Let's make them take away. <laughs> yeah, let's see it happen. Yeah. And uh, that was the other thing where I think yeah. I helped him. Uh, a lot of offensive coaches, as you know, think, well, we can't do anything twice. If we do this, they'll certainly adjust right. to it. And I would say, okay, now we called uh, 60H-Dig and we hit it. Don't be afraid to call it again yeah, because, yeah. you know what, it might just be a chink in the defense that they can't handle. Right. Or you can see how they adjust and go to something else. But let's not just say, oh, well, hey, that was plus 15 and you know, I don't, never understood don't ever come that. back. Right. right, like the old Mike Martz philosophy. We just yeah. go to the next play and keep calling plays. And you're like, well, we in the last three we called. It just went for 80 yards. We played the Patriots one game, and they were going to the opening game of 04 season. They weren't going to let us throw. So they played this 3-4 umbrella defense, two deep safeties. And we ran 14 gut, which is just Edger and Jane. Right, uh, right up the middle. Up the right guard. Right. And we, Peyton called it 12 times in a row. Wow. And Wow. And we were just plus four, plus three, plus six, plus four. But uh, 
on that drive, I kind of said, man, I, I helped him. Yeah. He didn't feel like yeah. we've got to do something right. else if so we you, can't stop. you never messed with him in practice or gave him anything. Like, I, I tried, yeah. but he's, he's all, all over usually it. one step ahead. I, right. I can still, you know, going back to my dad and just when he was covering you, and that I, I do remember him coming home and just being like, man, you know, it's amazing how much, you know, it's it's coach and Peyton talking in the middle of the field about something, about how they want to approach a game I, I used thing. to run the scout team, and your dad would come on Fridays right. always. right. Uh, with the broadcast booth. So he'd see the Friday practice. Well, Wednesday and Thursday, you're scripting things, so you want to see. Well, on Fridays, we'd have a move-the-ball period, just, hey, put it down and, and simulate some drive. Right. I'd be calling the defenses and trying to trying to get him right. and see what he's going to adjust. But he'd want me, hey, think, what do you think yeah. um, Ed Donatel is going to do in this situation? Right. And, and uh, I would try to do it for him and try to prepare him. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It really is. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Yeah, we got one more question from uh, at John Yonahan here. Love you, coach. You're one of the greatest. How much does a defensive-minded coach get involved with the offensive game plan and vice versa? And, I, you know, I think a lot of people, like, the perception is that you coach the defense and Peyton Manning and Tom Moore just did their own yeah. thing on the other side of the building and figured that out. You know, talk about that relationship. No, um, farthest thing from, from the truth. Uh, I try to stay in the middle and work on both sides, but – Really, I would go in and say, hey, here's what I think their defense is going to do. Here's where I think they're weak. Here's where I think we can attack them. It's uh, so almost like a scouting yeah, report. Yeah, like, I try to give them a the scouting report. report right. and, and you guys will come up with a way we're going to attack. Right. But for me, it was always – and what I told Peyton when I first got there, we've got so many excellent skill position guys, and we're so good. If we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, if we give ourselves 80 plays – you know, we're going to average six yards a play. We're going to get 450 yards during the game. How are we not going to get to 80 plays if we have penalties and we get to third and longs and we punt, if we turn the ball over? If, so if we're careful with the ball and we're careful with how we do things, we'll get 450 yards a game. And that just that philosophy and that thought process, um, once we got to that, and, and Peyton, it took a couple of years, but – um, I think my third year there was his 49 touchdown, nine interception year. And that's when I said, you know what? We're going to be tough to handle from <laughs> yeah, here on out. No, no doubt. Yes, you were. I, I, I want to dive back into just the story again you told me yesterday, you know, because we're here right now and we're on the subject. But you know, Peyton Manning doing his thing at the line of scrimmage and calling all these plays – Nobody had done that in the NFL like that, other than maybe Johnny Unitas back in the day. It was an old school old quarterback school. thing, yeah. right? So when that happened, I mean, I I, rem I mean, I was in the league, or you know, I was in the league, yeah. And I mean, people were like, well, I would never let my quarterback have that much control and all that. And you told me a tidbit yesterday because I asked you, I go, Coach, how'd you kind of come to the like the realization of, hey, I'm just gonna let him kind of control things a little bit and, and just tell the story you yeah. told me. 
1973, I went to University of Minnesota. Tom Moore was our quarterback coach, and we put this system in mm. uh, in 1973. I had no idea. I was the quarterback, and everything was called at the line of scrimmage, and he taught you how to read defenses and go to the right play, and Tom would signal in three or four different things that you had the option to go to. But at the end of the day, you looked at the defense and you called the play. Um, I got to the NFL in the late 70s, and a lot of the quarterbacks were still calling their plays. But it changed. Uh, I think Tom Landry was the first coach to kind of send in the plays. He did it and had success. Everybody started doing that. Well, now you get these college guys who had never called the play right. before. They didn't want to call the plays. Just let me execute. Offensive coordinators saying, hey, you know, I'm calling the plays. So it, it vanished. That part of it vanished. And then Tom got Peyton, and Peyton being an old-school guy and knowing what Archie went through to prepare, right. he wanted to take that responsibility, and he felt good about it. Tom felt good about giving it to him, and it just seemed natural and to And you me. were good with and it. We had done it, and you know, I knew how much time the quarterback was going to spend in those meetings. He and Tom and I – we're thinking the same way. I mean, I could sit there on the sideline and see the defense. I know what he's going to go. Yeah, through. right. I know what play right. he's going to call. Yeah, uh, that's what you want. That's what we got. And and Peyton, Peyton just did it. He didn't have to have the the coach in his ear. <laughs> yeah. You guys were so annoying to prepare for. You really were. <laughs> I mean, because it was like your defense was fast and fast as hell and you're always like man they're not going to make one mistake and you know where they're going to be at and even though we know kind of their defenses it's going to be annoying to get plays and then the offense was like i always was doing scout team peyton manning and yeah it's like our coaches like had it like they always thought like oh i think we'll be getting this formation he'll do this and i want to be like, you have no yeah. fucking clue what he's going to have something else for you tomorrow okay i, I laughed because uh right. bill Carr and i had coached together in kansas city and then um we played Pittsburgh on a Monday night, and Bill said, this is ridiculous. we got an extra day to prepare for you guys, and it's just a waste because you, you only run two defenses, and you run you line up in the same formation. You never go in motion. There's nothing to practice. Right, right. Yeah, well, yeah, you might not you, – you got to figure something out. I don't. I know that. I know I, my, any offense I was involved in never had any success against your defenses, that's for sure. Um, all right, there's a little, little current day. You just brought up his name, Mike Tomlin, who we're both huge fans of because uh, I was with him in Tampa as well. He's one of my favorites in all of football. Out, uh, at Southside Doc wants to know, how would Coach handle the QB competition in Pittsburgh? I think you let it play out. Um, and, and I'm a big believer. You know, I talked to Peyton a lot about his early years, and he is adamant that if you've got a good young quarterback who's mentally tough. Right you got to let them play, let them go. and they're going to grow from playing and experiencing things. Now, if you're not mentally tough, you know, you make some mistakes and lose some games, if that's going to break you, that, that's different. But my, my guess is that they, they don't take picket if they I don't know. think he's mentally tough. Right. So, therefore, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm Mike Tomlin. You think it might go that go. way. I know. I'm, I'm very up in the air about this. I've been a little bit, like, thinking, like, well – you know, the, I think their defense will be better this year. Maybe they won't, you know, want to throw the rookie in there because, you know, their team, again, I, I mean, they were in the playoffs last year, and I don't think – I honestly, I would expect them to be better in some ways to where I, I wonder that one. It's, it's a tough one to me because I am with you and Peyton and the, the fact of get them out yeah. there and play yeah. – but, but you bring up a great point because Peyton's first year, they're 3-13. and 13, Right. So and it not, wasn't the yeah, same yeah. team as the Steelers right, team. Right. I think you and I would agree. Right. Like There's some potential yeah. in that defense yeah. to get their form back. And with Brian Flores being there, too, now, to where you go, I don't think they're going to be in the 20s this year. I, I would be shocked if that happened on the defensive side of the ball. But by the same token, yeah. you, you take a good, solid, young quarterback and you put him in and say, you don't have to get Mac Jones. Okay, you right. don't have to make every single play. We're going to win games in a lot of ways, yeah. and you just grow, and we'll we'll grow with Take you. Take care of the you football. You can still win win games, yeah, and and let that guy grow and and, and right. Come on, yeah, I know, I know. That's one. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how that does play out. That's that's one. Of, that's one of the more intriguing stories of training camp. All right, at Dave's Ninja, I, only a few more. I know you got to get out of here. No, I'm All right, good. you're I'm good. You sure? This. I'm liking All right, it. good, good. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. <laughs> it's. I told you 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah, I think no, we're hitting an hour fun. right now. This is fun. All right. So, which defense around the league excites you the most heading into this year, and which do you feel is likely to see the biggest year year to year improvement? 
Yeah, it's you a know, lot. There. Rodney um, has, is really on the the Chargers bandwagon, mm-hmm. adding some players, getting Derwin James back healthy. Uh, you put Bosa and Mac together, coming off different ends. Yeah, now. You, and they're going to have the lead a lot. The way their offense plays, right? Um, they they could be a, a, a defense that that wreaks some havoc. Yes, right. Um, I'm always curious at what New England's going to put out mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, we're hearing a lot about Mac Jones and the offense and a different style of offense, but Bill always has a way to to come up with a defense that that is going to you know yeah. put pressure give on you people problems, to right. give you problems. Right. So, uh, but that Chargers unit, um, and they're going to need to be with that the the way the West is loaded offensively. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about them, too. I think they would be one that's at the top of the list. And, you know, I'll go to another friend of ours, a common friend we have. I'm a little excited about Green Bay, Steve. This Rodney's also brought them up in some meetings. Green Bay, I mean, I, I think they were as good as they've been on defense the last few years. I'm a Joe Barry fan who, you know, was in Tampa with me as well. Joe is a, a really bright guy. Um, they've got some talented players. It, it's another situation where you, you're going in and saying, you know what, we're going to score points. Yeah. And we're going to be ahead in situations. How can we close the door in the fourth quarter? And I know they felt like that's where they had to get a little bit better, and I think they did. Yeah, all right. I got uh, one more. I think they did, too. I got some young. So, uh, hey, Coach. All right, this one's for me, personal. Um, Does anyone ever call you Mr. Dungy, or does the whole world know you as Coach? Because I never heard anybody ever. I mean, we're walking around the Hall of Fame yesterday. And it's just like everybody knows you're like, hey, coach, yeah, you coach the Colts, you coach me in life, like you're coach. Anybody? It, it's so funny. Most people do call me coach, and you were with two of my uh, boys, my adopted boys, and they're like 10 and 13. Dad, why, does, why do people call you coach? Because they, they don't even know that, that I was a coach. <laughs> so it's crazy. But uh, most of the outside world, especially in Tampa, I get that. Uh, hey, hey, coach, what's happening? And I guess once a coach, always a coach. Yeah, yeah, uh, you are. You're, you're this is the ultimate coach. And that, I mean, you're on, you know, football night in America, and we all call you coach on there. So I think it's rubbing off on the whole country here, slowly <laughs> but surely. Um, I'm always intrigued by this. Like, you know, we always talk about Brady, and we were hitting on the Colts, Patriots stuff a little bit there. But, you know, when you played the Patriots, uh, what were the keys to your defensive game plan? You know, we always hear about pressure on Tom Brady up the middle. You know, is there anything you ever looked at that you think, you know, you think that you guys did that the rest of the league maybe didn't do facing them or Tom Brady? No, they were very difficult to play and, and face them because they had a different way of running. They would attack your weaknesses running the football. They didn't make mistakes. They stayed out of third and longs. Usually you, you know, tell your team, hey, you know, just be patient. If we don't give up the big play, they're going to get in a third down somewhere. That's when we'll get after them. Uh, you, you couldn't do that. You had to try to force things. And Did that make you, like, go out of your realm a, a little, little bit? bit. You, a you little go, bit you know, of times. I'm going to call you this know, defense yeah. that I don't necessarily yeah. always call. We, we've got to be a little bit different. You know, my whole mantra to it, we just do what we do, right, and right. we're not going to change for anybody. But you play those guys so much, and they know you so well. You have to come up with a few little wrinkles. You have to do – Things and put your guys in positions that he hadn't seen, but uh, th- those were some fun games because they knew us very well. We knew them. You knew it was a matter of execution, and that, that you were going to have to find a way to pressure him and get him off the spot. And I'm sure they felt the same way about Peyton. If we sit back and he's in the pocket with no harassment, it's it's know, over. You're not going to stop. Apart. Right. Yeah. Right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, last one. I want to get into Tampa, too. Okay? 
for for a few reasons here. I mean, first off, I mean Tampa two, you're associated with it. You know, you're you're one of the original architects. I have I even give you a lot of credit for Seattle three. Like in a lot of ways, <laughs> okay. because it came that, from it Tampa came, too, it did, it did. and in a lot of ways, it's three deep, four under. Except they just lined up differently yeah. and didn't have the running back. Yeah. I mean, the middle linebacker yeah. running down the middle. Um, but I would love to. The Steelers ran Tampa too, but then in the '80s, when I'm watching my dad and you know early '90s, like I never heard of Tampa too until you got to Tampa. So kind of talk about the evolution of that a little bit. Do, do we have some time? We, well, yeah, yeah, we do. Okay. We do. If you got it, go ahead. I do. Yeah. Here's how it started. Yeah. Uh, 1972, Bud Carson comes to um, Pittsburgh as the defensive coordinator for Chuck Knoll. And he's coming from Georgia Tech in college. And at that time, it was a lot of wishbone. It was triple option. And he had this defense where he won the corners to help and take the pitch. So the corners had to play the flat. They took the pitch if it was the option. It's amazing. And that's where it came from. So he puts this too deep, corners roll up, safeties are back. He puts it in. Nobody had seen it in the NFL. Quarterbacks didn't know what to do. What do you do? This is crazy. They're throwing interceptions. The defense flourishes. Because back in the day, if one corner was rolled up, the other you one just, almost had, you know, always, always had free access. Just threw, threw it to the other side. Right. Throw away from the rolled right. guy. Everybody played three deep one way or the other. Just figure out if you saw a rolled up guy over there, you're going here. Right. So they have success with this. Well, now Coach Noel gets the idea, if we're going to play this, we don't need these little five nine hundred and seventy 170-pound pound fast corners we can get some big physical guys so here comes mel blunt right. 6'4 225 on one side jt thomas is 6'2 210 on the other side and there's the rules at that time are you can hit these guys oh, as often as day you long. want <laughs> as deep as you want until the ball you can thrown. push them into the first row of so the stands. yeah they, uh, mel is throwing people out of bounds and they're elbowing receivers <laughs> in the face mask as they come on. There's no such thing as blow to the head <laughs> right, or anything right, like that. Right. So we got these physical monsters playing corner now, and receivers were, I don't want to say scared, but they, they were scared. Yeah. And so that became the, the MO, and that our scouts are looking for physical corners and big guys, and they're looking for safeties who could cover half the field and, and run. And so we came up with this different style of defense, and it, it won four Super Bowls yeah. in a decade. But there weren't a lot of people who played it and not a lot of people who believed in it. So Coach Noel kind of retires. I move on. I learned it there as a player, right. coached it for him. And then I went to Kansas City, and, you know, Marty Schottenheimer, well, yeah, cover two, yeah, we'll mix it in there a little bit. Nobody really believed in it. So in 1992 – Denny Green hires me as the defensive coordinator. And Monty Kiffin was the previous coordinator, but right. he stayed there as the linebacker coach. So I come in, and Monty says, ah, tell me about this cover, too. What are we going to do here? I've never played this before, and I don't know how it's going to fit in. So we sit down for about a week. He's telling me to run fronts and what he wants to do with Dolman and Randall and how they've done it. And I said, well, we can make this work, and here's what to do with the coverage. So we put it in. We have some phenomenal defensive stats for a couple of years because, yeah. again, people hadn't seen it for a while, and we've got this front four that's unbelievable, Dolman and Randall. And so we, we have some success. Well, then I go to, uh, to Tampa as, as the head coach, and Monty says, I need to come with you. And yeah. so Monty comes to Tampa, and as I mentioned, we've got these kind of tailor-made guys there already. You're going, them Brooks and Sapp, who I wanted, they're wanted, here. And Lynch, who we wanted. So now we put it in, and people hadn't seen it for a while. We started to have some success, and all of a sudden it becomes Tampa, too. And I, I tell everybody, I joke, if you look at Derek Brooks's playbook, it's uh, verbatim 1973 Pittsburgh Steelers. Verbatim. Is that right? We, we all, all we did was change the – you know, the title and who it is in Tampa, weak side linebacker. You know, you line up, stack behind the guard, drop on pass, the weak hook area, ball react. 
I it was it was it's Jack Ham, nineteen seventy three, the same coaching to Derek Brooks in nineteen. Oh, I, I can remember my first few practices in two thousand three after they won the Super Bowl. I was just like, What the hell is this? <laughs> Where do I throw the ball? It just seems like everybody's everywhere and they're so fast. I mean, it, it was a, a shocker to me. So you you brought Tampa to back into style. And then you, then I'm going to give you credit for ruining it because you did it so damn good. All your coaches went everywhere, <laughs> and everybody got to practice against it. And we started to build up inventory across the NFL of how to beat it. It's still very prevalent, uh, but not maybe as popular as it once was. No, it isn't. And, and Rod Marinelli and I talk about it all the time. Uh, you have to believe in it. Yeah. And very few people today believe that you can play one defense and just line up against people and play. Right. Rod believed that. Lovey Smith believed it. Monty believed it. Right. I believed it. And so we, we did it. And then as we got good and we started playing in playoff games and people would see it and commentators would talk about it, uh, then it became Tampa too because, you know, we we were having success. You were. But, um, it was uh, it goes back to 1973. Man, that's a that's a great story. It really is. And coach, like I can't say enough about you know your time coming uh, on here. It was awesome. And I hope we're gonna do this more. So you got to deal with me, fucking crazy Chris, all right, a few more times this year. Because I really love this, and I, I, I like the, the trip down memory lane. I hope everybody loves the history of the game talk, the current talk we had. Coach Dungy's the man. You'll see us tonight, Hall of Fame game. He's a Hall of Famer, of course. I'm not. I'm just a big mouth that knows a little football. And we'll be on NBC, of course, Thursday night. And, you know, we'll be on all season long. But, uh, Coach. Really appreciate you. Thank you, you contributing. No, this was fun. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I've been in a lot of locker rooms. I know. So I, know, know, you know. I, know. <laughs> I know you have. I know. I know you have. And it's, for some reason, I still feel guilty sometimes. I don't know what it is. All right. So we'll be back Monday. Hope everybody enjoyed. Enjoy the Hall of Fame game if you're hearing this today uh, on a Thursday. Have a good weekend. Be safe. Ahmed will be back in the fold on Monday. Peace out, everybody. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.